TFA fam, what is up? What is happening? We are back again. The NFL Combine is officially in the books. And, you know, the NFL doesn't sleep. We've got all kinds of news that, that, that has come out over the last couple of days uh, with franchise hacks and a free NFL free agency starts next week. But before we get into all that, we wanted to, you know, take some time to kind of look at some of the biggest risers and fallers from the NFL draft uh, combine that was this past weekend. And we'll get into some of that. Um, but before we do, Cody, join me as always. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Excited to talk about the combine as much as I kind of poo-poo it and say it shouldn't change things. And truthfully, it it shouldn't. Um, still, still, just you know, a, a fun part of the off season. Something that I that I always enjoy. Like I said, although I kind of don't really care for the results in terms of changing rankings. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think on some level it does matter because, um, but but I think at times we tend to overweight it at times as well of of how much it matters. I do think it matters more to NFL teams in terms of um, uh, some of this stuff because we see it a lot where guys will fly up right, right. where uh, that we weren't really expecting that uh, came out of nowhere that just crushed the combine. But overall, yes, it's probably overvalued uh, to a degree. Um, but I, I still think that it, it has its place um, just to kind of get a good idea. Like some of the stuff to me that matters more is like size, weight, that, that kind of stuff. Like 40 is often, you know, o- over, over, overvalued as a, as a thing to look at. But I think there's some other stuff that you can kind of, you know, get a good idea from. But and you were starting to see less and less, like we talked about, like running backs doing the agility stuff and all that kind of stuff. So, but overall, I, I think it has its place, um, you know, in, in all of this, and it gives us something to talk about at the very least, right? Oh, 100%. That's that's the best part about it. Before we do, let's get into just a little bit of news. Uh, not not anything crazy has happened. We got some uh, franchise well. tag stuff. Well, you know, uh, uh, Derek Carr has officially signed with the uh, New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, the Saints just love staying bad. Um, you know, Derek Carr, he's fine, right? Like, But he is the most, like, average quarterback in the league. And I have never honestly seen a quarterback get as many passes as, as he does. Like everybody's always got an excuse for why he hasn't done anything in his career. You're right. And, and he's on now what his third, his third contract in the league. He's been around for quite a long time. Like this, he's not some young quarterback still. So like, whatever, I don't care. He goes to the Saints. It's like the same situation. Actually, I would say it's a worse situation than what he just came from uh, and, and with the Raiders. But, you know, we'll see. I've heard all this stuff talk about, you know, head coach, how he's got a better record. No, Dennis Allen is a, is a terrible coach. Like, he's going to be fired within the next year or two. Like, he never should have been the, the coach to begin with. But Derek Carr yeah. is now with the Saints, right? I guess it's better news for somebody like Chris Olave, but I don't even know how much of an upgrade it is to Andy Dalton. Like, how big of a difference is Andy Dalton to Derek Carr? Like, I don't know if there's that big of a gap. So I don't know if it's that big of an upgrade for the offense overall. Uh, Michael Thomas, though, seems to be happy for the first time in forever. Uh, he tweeted uh, the support of getting Derek Carr. Uh, so Derek Carr to the Saints. Uh, we got some uh, franchise tag goodness. Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson got the um, non-exclusive. Yes, the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means other teams can, um, you know, offer him a contract. It basically gives the the Ravens the right to match any any contract he may get. Uh, so uh, I, there's that. And then Tony Pollard is also a franchise tag. We'll see if the Cowboys are going to release Ezekiel Elliott. There's been some talk that maybe they will. They should. Uh, if they don't, they're going to be wrapping up close to $30 million uh, into the running back position, which is just absolutely 
right on brand for Jerry Jones. That's how you do it. Uh, so we'll see on that. Evan Ingram uh, is franchised by the Jags. Josh Jacob is also franchise tag by the Raiders. And uh, right down to the very nitty-gritty, uh, the, the New York football giants uh, signed Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million contract. And then they also tagged Saquon Barkley. I will say this in terms of the tags. I think especially for really all the guys outside of Lamar, really, like Tony Pollard, Saquon, I think those are the best uh, best case scenario because we know how they're going to be used, right? Like there's going to be no question yeah. marks. Are they going to go to a new team? Are they going to have like a different role or a reduced role? We know in Dallas, uh, Pollard is basically the, the, the RB1. I think it kind of slots him in as a top 12 running back moving forward. And now with Saquon, I think you can make the argument for the same thing. A lot of people didn't really know what to do with him because we didn't know where he was going to land. Now we do. We know how he's going to be utilized. So I think those are great news for both those guys and probably for Josh Jacobs, for that matter, uh, for going back to the Raiders uh, another year. Uh, so I think all three of those guys are winners. And then Evan Ingram, um, I think it is what it is with him. Uh, I think it's a very crowded situation with Calvin Ridley coming in. And also Calvin Ridley was reinstated as well. So we know yeah. Calvin Ridley for sure will be back as well. So uh, we did get some uh, some players released already. Eric Kendrick from the Vikings. And then you also have Frank Clark uh, for the Chiefs, which I, you knew was coming. He was supposed to get like $30 million this year. Uh, so this basically saves $21 million against the cap uh, for them making that move. So it, ma- it made all the sense in the world. So right now, those are kind of the biggest uh, things that have dominoes to fall so far. We're going to get a lot more. A lot more players are going to get cut because the NFL um, – you know, free and she starts next week. So uh, we're going to get a lot more information here over the next, over the coming days uh, of different things that are going to happen. I think we're going to get some trades as well. The wide receiver class isn't super deep for free agency. So I, I do think – I expect – I think you could see guys like DeAndre Hopkins. I think guys like uh, Brandon Cooks uh, could get traded as well. I think both of those situations. Also, the Chiefs did not franchise tag their, uh, their left tackle. So they are without a left tackle. But if the Chiefs have proven anything – doesn't really matter. I mean, they they, they uh, traded Tyree Kill last year and still went to the Super Bowl. So, and to be fair, Orlando Brown was arguably bad. Like he, I think over the last two years, he is ranked like forty first for PF, according to PFF among all tackles. Last year, he was ranked like twenty second uh, uh, among a left tackles. Last year, he's been really bad. He doesn't deserve the money he's looking for. So, I'm not all that upset about it. But just right on, right on brand for for Cab. You're right. Last year. With the, with the Tyreek Hill move, you you were the one you I think you might have been the only person saying that like, yeah, no, I don't I don't think the the offense is really going to miss a beat. I think it's going to be fine. It could even be better. And uh, you were scoffed at. You were your your name was besmirched, and you know you were you're right. They ended up uh, hashtag not missing Tyreek. So. I, I did just want to just say that the Saquon tag was also the non-exclusive tag as well. So uh, there was uh, some rumors circulating that, you know, Saquon was not going to be happy with the tag, did not want to be tagged. Obviously, this gives the uh, the Giants, I think, until what, July 15th, I think the, the date is for, for them to hammer out an extension. But this also gives Saquon the ability to negotiate with other teams the same way as Lamar. And then the, Danny Dimes, I still haven't seen what the guaranteed money is for that. Obviously, it's not a you know one hundred sixty million fully guaranteed. And then, you know, I don't want to rush to any judgment. Kind of like what we did with the uh, the Christian Kirk deal last year. Where we were just like, oh my god, how did the Jags give all this money to Christian Kirk and it ended up being like half of it? 
you know, less than half of that uh, contract was guaranteed. It ended up being like 40 million or something over, over three years, which, you know, not, not a, a bad contract at all, but like, I don't know, man, I, I get it. I, you know, Daniel Jones probably, you know, better than the, the, the devil you don't know. Right. But 40 million per year. And again, it's not going to be that I know, but just seeing 40 million per year for Danny Dimes, just, you know, I, I, I didn't think he was going to get anywhere near that, you know, when, when there was uh, reports originally came out that he was looking for, you know, or his agents at least were pushing for 40 to 45 million per year. Looks like they got it on paper anyway. Like I said, we'll have to see what the, the guaranteed money comes out to be, but, Oh, and then the, the other things we didn't mention, uh, Geno Smith getting getting a uh, a three-year deal with, with the Seahawks as well. Yeah, his, I think it was three years, $105 million. Uh, Daniel Jones' uh, full contract is four years, 160 He can earn uh, an additional $35 million in incentives. It's $82 million over the first two years and $94 million guaranteed at signing. So $94 million in guaranteed money of the 160. So I don't think it's at as bad, you know, if he fails, I, I'm sure a lot of this is uh, front loaded um, for sure. Right. Uh, and to be able to get out from under this, but the first, but his first year cap number is around 19. Million. So, um, so yeah, you know, I think with Daniel Jones and people have kind of like, I get it. Like he's not necessarily worth, I don't think like earning 45. Like we talked about that. Like, like there's no shot that he should be getting paid 40 plus million dollars. Uh, I think it would have been much more like probably made more sense. But I think one thing that we have to realize is so like, so if you look at the cap numbers between this year to 2027, I think by 2027, the cap is supposed to go up to $280 million. Like it is going to rise significantly over the next three years. And so a lot of these deals aren't really as bad. Like I think it feels like the NBA a couple of years ago when they raised their cap quite a bit and you start seeing like large these large contracts for like really bad players and you're like what is going on we have to remember the money is going up so much that like there's gonna be right. more room like like probably in a couple years from now we're gonna see a quarterback get paid 70 80 million dollars a year like it's gonna happen and i know it seems ridiculous to us at first but like i think eventually we'll look at the daniel jones contract and be like okay it's not really that bad um Derek carr is getting like 37 and a half million dollars a year you know, I, I think he's right on that level. And to be fair, I mean, what he did last year with virtually nothing. I mean, he had no weapons, nothing. It was Saquon and him and just a just a cast of characters. And he had his best year of his career. So we'll see if Brian Dable can keep it going. Um, they Lamar. need to they need to definitely add some stuff around him. But I think overall, you know, I don't I, I get it right. Like you have to pay your, a, a pay a quarterback like. They weren't – it's not like they were picking early and so, like, they could, you know, get another quarterback or something like that. So, they really had no other options. And I think if the contracts work correctly, if they can get out of it in a couple of years, if it doesn't work out, I think that's probably the best-case scenario. So, um, yeah. So, we'll see how it all plays out. We'll see what they're able to do through free agency, uh, especially with um, his contract coming in at $19 million this year. It's probably good for them, at least for cap-wise, uh, for them to be able to do different things with that as well. So, that being said – you ready to get into some of this uh, combine talk? Yeah, let's lead off with the uh, go from the quarterback and talk about rookie quarterbacks. Okay, so quarterbacks. I mean, there's there was really two names. Uh, one uh, absolutely dominated. Um, some of it I feel like is a little double counting because we knew that Anthony Richardson Correct. was athletic when he came in. Like there was no surprise. Like we all knew that he was going to test really, really, really well. And that he did. He came in, um, 
what, six foot four, 240 pounds, 244 pounds, and he busts out a 4'4", 340. I will say this, uh, per, per uh, player profiler, Anthony Richardson ranks number one all time among all quarterbacks that have ever, uh, of the 280 that they have in their database in terms of athleticism, which is not mind blowing. I mean, six foot four, 240 pounds, be able to run a 4'4", 3. And a lot of people compare him to Cam Newton. And we have to keep it in context. Cam Newton ran like a 4.59, right? Which is still moving for his size, right? So for him to be able to run a 4.43. But we knew that. Like we, like I don't think we we thought it was gonna run. But well, actually we did because I remember talking about it before this about Anthony Richardson is probably gonna run a four four. He ran a four four, right? Um, his his burst score, like I mean, he crushed everything. Like he is a, just an athlete, athletic freak, <laughs> right? I, I will say on the throwing stuff he did, which is hard. To, I mean, you're, these guys are just out there running some routes with no defenders, nothing. I think he he showed pretty well. The thing is though, like he like. But the combine with these guys throwing, they're not having to read defenses or decision-making, so we're getting none of that stuff. So, like, listen, Anthony Richardson crushed in terms of that. And like we've talked about, I think for fantasy purposes, especially early on, he could easily be the QB1 in Dynasty because uh, he's going to be a top-10 pick. And if he goes to a spot where he's going to start year one, because of his rushing upside, we know how important that is. Look at Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. Kyler Murray, all these guys that can go out and give you five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred rushing yards. Justin Fields it is so huge in terms of you know long term success. Now he may not be a great passer, maybe he, he is a short term guy, but if he gets an opportunity early, it's going to be hard not to think of him as the QB one, whether that's dynasty really or or uh, season long. Yeah, I mean, I think with him, you there's and it's easy to see him have a Justin Fields esque type of season like what like the season that fields just had right like justin fields only threw for 2200 yards he did have 17 passing touchdowns but obviously a lot of what he did came on the ground and that's exactly something like i said i think we could see with uh you know with anthony richardson so it's gonna be really interesting to see where he goes obviously we still have you know some of these dominoes to fall with the quarterbacks and mainly with you know Aaron Rodgers and uh, Lamar Jackson to kind of see where they go because the the top ten in terms of the uh, the NFL draft order right now you have a bunch of teams that either desperately need quarterback you have the the Lions in there that are like a wild card team that we talked about last week I think where you know you, you could see someone like an Anthony Richardson go. You have Goff as the bridge quarterback, and then you know, you let Anthony Richardson sit, develop. Do, you know, what I mean, the, the the old cliches kind of sit behind Goff and you know, kind of learn the ropes and all that. And then you have you know teams like if the if the Jets miss out on uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, would they be willing to make a uh, a pretty aggressive move from thirteen? So it's gonna gonna be interesting to see where where all these guys go. But ex- like exactly like you said at the beginning, like we shouldn't be double counting this. Like we knew he was going to be, uh, uh, you know, and he's going to show out really well athletically. Now to this extent, still super impressive to see, but like he should have been floating in the QB one conversation before that for fantasy purposes anyway, before this, and just kind of wild to see everyone just like, Oh, basically overreact to it. And just all of a sudden just be like, Oh, yep. Yep. There it is. Now, now they're the, Anthony Richardson QB one case closed. That's it. Like this, 
we should have seen it. This is kind of like where, you know, I get the, you know, get off my lawn old man type of type outlook on the, on the combine, but still incredibly, incredibly uh, impressive to see him do what he did. Uh, the, the other guy here to mention, obviously CJ Shroud, I thought, you know, you were kind of mentioning the fact that on these throwing drills, they're not reading defenses. They're not going against quarterbacks. There's no pressure coming. But I did think Shroud showed what he did at Ohio State, right, just in terms of how well he was able to place the ball, his accuracy at every level of the field. Obviously, Bryce Young did not throw. He's going to do that at his pro day. We did get a measurement on on Young, though. He came in at, what, 5'10", 5'10 and a half, and like 204 pounds. So not as bad as some people thought. There were, you know, some uh, some guesses going around that he could be as low as 5'9". So that 5'10 and a half kind of puts him in like the Kyler Murray, Drew Brees-ish type, uh, type of area. So... We did get that with him, and then kind of like kind of feels like Will Levis is just falling to the wayside because of the the Anthony Richardson hype. You know, it wasn't wasn't that long ago that people were talking about Will Levis could be the QB one off the board, and we haven't heard uh, much about that, especially after the combine. Yeah, I mean, I think all so all four of those guys are going to be top ten picks. Like, I this isn't last year where all kind of like, oh man, all these guys fall. Like, the, like this is not happening. Right. Like I think I think for, like right now, I think CJ Stroud, I, I, I think I feel pretty confident saying for me, he's probably the QB one in this class. Like Bryce Young is fun yeah. and everything else. Right. But like there's still concerns about about his size. Um, it, there's not many quarterbacks at his size that I've been able to. Yes, we've seen Kyler Murray kind of have some success now. That's I mean, for fantasy, he's been much more successful than he has been, you know, actually in the NFL. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see on Bryce Young because it, they, these guys, these guys do have limitations and stuff like that. Um, if he's not as athletic as as Kyler Murray, could also be a problem, right? Because Kyle, that's what one thing good about Kyler Murray is how athletically gifted he is. Now, I do think Bryce Young is, but I don't think that he's obviously not Anthony Richardson. But I think overall, like I think to me, I, I think it's C.J. Stroud is one. I think Bryce Young is probably slots in around two or three for me. And then Anthony Richardson is either two or three uh, right there. And then I think Will Levis is there. I think some of the hate for Will Levis is a little misguided. I think he also did pretty well in the throwing drills as well. But, um, again, you can only take that with with so much because I I think it's good just to see kind of these guys go out there, how accurate they could be, um, what they could do. And I think Will Levis did fine. Like, I don't think he did anything bad at all uh, this weekend. And so – but he is certainly going to be overshadowed by what Anthony Richardson did because he just blew up the combine. Like, everybody just was raving about him. And again, we talked about it. Like, we shouldn't be counting it. Now, I will say, too, with Anthony Richardson, he's only he's not even 21 years old yet. So he's still very young uh, So with Anthony Richardson. So he's got time to develop. And maybe the best uh, case, like we've talked about, would be the Lions because he could go sit for a year. He's not going to come right in and have to take over for a team. But I think he definitely needs that. I think he's still raw. And kind of like a Trey Lance kind of situation, right? Um, but I could see t- an NFL team really falling in love with Anthony Richardson and all, every, all the arm talent that he has. Like that's kind of what we talked about. He he checks all the boxes in terms of talent, arm talent, you know, arm strength, all this stuff. It's just you know how well can he develop, you know, some of the mental games, uh, whether that's reading, you know, defenses and all that kind of stuff, um, decision making. Uh, can he improve there? Because that's really where he struggled at times at Florida. So uh, I think those are really kind of the only thing we really need to talk about a quarterback. Yeah. I don't think there's really anything else to discuss. 
Uh, again, we talked about it really, you know, Destler's outlier, but for the most part, we only care about the guys going in the first round. And those are the top four. Let's go over to the running back position. Now, running back position is tough, right? Because they didn't do a whole lot. Like, Nothing. once again, we only had two players do agility drills at the combine. Uh, it's starting to become less and less. These guys pretty much go out. A lot of them will either uh, will run a 40, and then they do, uh, you know, the broad and the vert. And, and that's kind of it, right? And, and they, that, that's their day. A lot of the stuff we want to see, though, is with measurements uh, with a lot of these guys where these guys checked in. And so I do have Zach Charbonnet down here, mainly just because I wanted to I wanted to see kind of where he came in across board. I think he did fine. Uh, I, I think I think he submitted himself as either the RB2 or the RB3. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have him as the RB2. I have I have and we'll talk about it, but I, I have Jameer Gibbs at RB3 and we will talk about that. Um, I, I don't think it's hot, uh, but we'll get into that part of it whenever we get to losers. And I, I, I you know what? We, we, we can, we, we can talk about it now. Let's talk about it now. If I'm going to talk about that, I don't want to let, let, let me, let me, so th- this is my problem with Gibbs, right? Gibbs isn't necessarily small, right? But it is a very small list of players that have been successful in the NFL that, that have the, the type of what I think people are going to view him as, right? Like, there's other running backs in this class that are small that we like, like Devin A. Chain, right? He came in small, 188 pounds. You have guys like um, like Keith Mitchell that I've talked about. Like, he came in really small, 178. Like, these guys are out there. But you know what those guys are going to be? Third down backs, and that's it. And there's a very real chance that Jameer Gibbs is just a third down back, and that's all he ever is, that he's never anything more than that. Because NFL teams typically look for a running back that is, you know, 200-plus pounds, and he came in sub-200 pounds. Yes, it was good that his BMI is, you know, is, is higher because he's only 5'10", but he's still sub-200 pounds. He tested well. Great, even. Four, four, sub-4-4 four, four, uh, speed, great. We know he's a great pass catcher, but I fear that that's all he's ever going to be is just a pass catcher, and I think that could be a problem because I think people are going to view him uh, and view him as the number two running back in this class, and that could be all he ever is, is just a pass catcher. And if he never seizes a larger role, which is possible, because there's only like two or three running backs that are sub 200 pounds that have ever posted a 15-plus fantasy point season, uh, or fantasy point per game season. Two. I think it's Christian McCaffrey is one. And then there's another, uh, I, can't, um, I can't think of the other one off the top of my head. But there's not a huge list of guys to go off of here for this, right? And so nobody wants to talk about it with Jameer Gibbs because he, he's been viewed as the consensus number two running back. And since he did not, he falls under that, I think it's a problem. And I think more so where he's going to be drafted because everybody's going to draft him as the number two running back off the board. I think it deserves a consideration. Whereas Zach Charbonnet, there's no question. He, he checks every box, right? Yes, he, he's not an absolute burner, but who cares? You got guys like Javante Williams last year uh, or a couple years ago. Same thing. I think he ran like a four or five something, whatever, right? But size-wise, he can catch passes out of the backfield. Like, check, 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 check. Like, he can be a three-down workhorse. He's a great pass catcher. He's not limited. He is explosive runner. Like, he does everything you're looking for. But he's not – but everybody says it's Bijan, tear gap, Jameer Gibbs, tear gap, and then the rest. And I don't I don't view it that way. I think it's I think it's Bijan, tear gap, and then I, I, I then I think it's it's Zach Charbonnet. I don't know if it's hot, but nobody's going to talk about it. Everybody's going to just hype up uh, Jameer Gibbs and not really worry about it. But I fear that all he's ever going to be is a three down back or as a third down back type of running back, like a JD McKissick, if you will. 
Shamir gives JD McKissick, <laughs> McKissick <not>. comp. <laughs> I mean, write it down, folks. Like, like, do you have no? Any, I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. We, you know, we, uh, there were, there's, there's running backs every single year that we always look at and we're like, man, hope he comes in at over 200 pounds. So I, I, I get what you're saying. I do want to throw this out. FanDuel has a couple, has like maybe like four or five players that they have props for to tie them with certain teams. Jameer Gibbs, the Eagles have the shortest odds currently to draft Gibbs. Would that change your your view at all? And I just pulled it up as well. The So the, the Eagles are at plus 450, the Bills at plus 500, the Chiefs at plus 600, and then there's a, another gap to the Bengals at plus 750, and then it kind of falls off after that. But with the the Eagles having the shortest odds, would that change you know your your thoughts? I, I guess it would also depend on where Charbonnet lands for for you for your rankings here. But Gibbs to the Eagles, yay or nay? Is that something I could interest you in? No, actually, I don't think like I don't think the so because I don't think that he would have that role. Like I think it would it would be a true committee between him and Gainwell. Um, I guess what I want to say is that I don't hate Jameer Gibbs at all. Like I think he could be a a very like a very good running back, right? I just don't think that he's ever going to hit that upper echelon ceiling that we would want to that we would be looking for and where he's going to get drafted. So I think he's going to be overvalued. Like I think he is still a tremendous a tremendous player, great pass catcher. We've talked about that. I mean, his athleticism is awesome. Like I said, ran a four three six. He has a ninety first uh, percentile speed score. So, like, he didn't do the other stuff to, for us to be able to uh, look at some of those things. But 5'9", 199, like, isn't the end of the world. But we also can pretty much take it to the bank that he's not going to be a guy that's going to see 18 touches a game. It's probably not going to happen. And I've seen people say, like, oh, he could be like Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is way bigger than Jameer Gibbs is. Like, people will forget that with, with Alvin Kamara, right? Alvin Kamara is, like, 215 pounds. Like, he's not some little dude. And, and so, like, that's my only concern. Like, I didn't. I just found it interesting that nobody seemed to have a problem with Gibbs coming in sub two hundred. And I get it's one ninety nine, but he's probably less than that. Like, he's he's probably actually probably plays at like one ninety, one ninety two. He put on a little bit of weight for for this, tried to get over two hundred pounds. He didn't do it. So I think there's still a range of possibility he can be a fine like RB two uh, in fantasy circles. But I just don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's an RB one. Maybe I'll be wrong. And and you know, we're starting to see a little bit of a change for some of these teams. Like we saw like with James Cook, right? James Cook was also sub uh, 200 pounds last year. Uh, he got drafted with uh, some decent draft capital. But again, he was more of a committee guy, but he wasn't the workhorse. So that's my only concern with him that nobody's talking. Where I feel like somebody like, like I guess, tie it back to Zach Charbonnet is just there's just no questions with him. Like he checks every single box you could be looking for. And I think he is somebody that could have like a, I'm not saying I think he's going to be like some elite running back, but I think it's very possible that at the very seal is maybe floor is David Montgomery. And I think that could be his floor. And I like, uh, and I think he could be a guy that's even much higher than that. I just think everybody's kind of overlooked Zach Charbonnet. There's not much hype around him. It's just kind of like, Oh yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Like, and that's it. But I think there's a real, a real chance that he's the number two running back. Yeah, I can see Charbonnet stone who I've had at, at three this entire time. He's been someone who, uh, you know, I, I, I've definitely started to like more throughout the process. And just to put the final point on Jameer Gibbs, 
I, I think it has it wasn't really talked about because he was listed at 200 pounds and came in at 199. Yeah, if if he would have been listed at like 210 and then came in at one 199, I think we would have seen you know everyone kind of lose their minds over it. But the fact that like he was basically listed at and came in at that same weight, I think that's why we haven't seen more people talking about the weight potentially being an issue. Yeah, and again, uh, I, I know people say it. All I'm gonna say is one last time: I don't hate. Gibbs at all. I just have concerns with his workload, how much usage he's actually going to see at the next level. And he's probably going to be a top 50, top 60 pick. Definitely. I, I think that's definitely going to happen. And draft capital goes a long way. And if he can somehow fall into the, the, the right spot, then, you know, I, I will be glad to take it out on Gibbs. Cause I think he, he can be a really good player. I just have concerns with the size and how much usage he's going to see. So, um, but Gibbs wasn't the only guy, nor was Charbonnet. So uh, who's the next up guy that you want to talk about? I wish I had, I, I wanted to try to get a, a chance to actually get some eyes on, on this player before mentioning his name. But I just feel like the fact that a lot of these running backs did come in light, like even Bijan came in at like 215 pounds. Like that was a little bit lighter than I think we were expecting. And the kind of all the way down the line for these running backs, we have talked about a Tulsa running back here on the show before someone we both like a lot and Ty J Spears. I literally didn't even know this guy existed. I'm not going to pretend to, you know, be like, oh, well, I was talking about him before. But Daenerys Prince, six foot, 216, came in and ran a 4-4-140, which puts him with a 96 percentile speed score. So just someone I, I want to throw out there. I definitely want to get some, some eyes on him. Um, just to kind of see what kind of player he was, you know, just found it odd that, you know, Ty J Spears was the guy we've been hearing a lot about, obviously with him going to the senior bowl, that certainly helps. Um, but like I said, Daenerys Prince also coming out of Tulsa, six foot two sixteen, just puts a, a little bit more size on this class. Like even Charbonnet, I think it was like two fourteen, two sixteen. We thought he was like a two twenty plus type of player. So with uh, with Prince coming out and and running this kind of uh, this kind of forty at his size, just someone that I wanted to I wanted to throw out there. And this is kind of like what I you know the 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 positive side of the combine for me, right? These guys that come out, they're like we don't really know who they are. They make a make a splash, and then on the on the opposite side of that, you know, once we get to our losers, guys we were expecting to do better come out and do poorly. That's kind of what how I use the combine personally is kind of seeing like oh, did I miss something with this player? Let me go back and look. And then guys like this who just pop up um, is, is kind of what I, I look for the the combine for. Yeah, I think another player that played well is Chase, or that played well, that, that showed well was Chase Brown from Illinois. I think for a lot of people, they he was kind of their anywhere from like RB9 to RB15 like in this class. But I think he actually did pretty well. Five, he's 5'10", 209. Again, another guy who almost ran a 4-3, but he has a 95th percentile burst score and a 89th percentile speed score. Um, and he is a very productive running back. I mean, obviously played at Power 5, played at Illinois. Uh, last year had 1,600 rushing yards, 13 total touchdowns. Also had 27 receptions for 240 yards. He is a little bit older. He's almost 23 years old. But for running backs, we really don't care uh, about, about that. I mean, look at Najee Harris when he came out. Um, not that Chase Brown's going to get Najee Harris type draft cap, but I ain't happening. But I think he's probably a guy that probably realistically goes in day 
probably probably a day three guy. Uh, probably, yeah. uh, I don't think he's going to be a day two guy. But I, I definitely think that he could, you know, be a day three guy. That you know, like a like a Tyler Algier, for example, somebody that we kind of look at that goes in the fourth or fifth round, and you know, uh, could uh, land in a right spot. But definitely has uh, checks a lot of boxes. Was productive in Illinois, so I think he's somebody that that really showed really well. I think there's other guys that kind of. Like Devin A. Chain, who we talked about, he kind of uh, solidified what we already thought. He came in smaller, I think, what, 185, 186 pounds. Uh, so he's 188. Up. Put put some damn respect on it. 188. Don't shortchange him. Well, 188 pounds for Devin A. Chain. Blaze the 40. Uh, so that is good. But, you know, again, my guy, Keaton Mitchell, sad to see it, came in at 178. But everything else Woo. is elite. I mean, his vert. Uh, at his size uh, is is super impressive. Uh, I think he had almost a forty inch vertical, or had a forty inch vertical for a guy who was five foot eight. Uh, was was very impressive. Uh, crushed the broad jump. I mean, he just is an athletic freak who just happens to be small. So he's uh, like he he fits more in the Tariq Cohen type build. Probably he's never going to be a guy ever who's going to be a, a feature back or anything like that. I wish he could have got up into the one eighties, like one eighty five or something like that. But we'll take it. I still think that he could be a guy that on the right team in the right system. And, you know, maybe a team uses him in the slot, you know. Uh, we see a lot of slot guys because he is a very good pass catcher. But his his athleticism is on display every time you watch him. But I'm also going to be a realist this year. Like, sometimes you get caught in this 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 bubble of I love a player a little bit too much, and then the NFL slaps me, with, you know, with their NFL dick across my face and be like, listen, guy, <laughs> relax. <laughs> we – you need to calm down. So I, he's probably a day three. He may, you know, guy, he's probably going to guy that goes fifth, sixth round, something like that. But I think he could be an absolute weapon for a team utilized correctly. So, but th- those, we kind of expect that we knew that, that uh, Devin A. Chain and uh, Keaton Mitchell were both going to run very well. There were a lot of other players who didn't really do a whole lot. So we don't know a whole lot. We're going to have to wait for their pro days. Uh, like uh, Kendra Miller didn't do a whole lot in the, in the combine. Uh, I believe Zach Evans also did nothing as well. He's nursing a little bit of an injury. He's going to test a little bit later, though. He came in a little bit smaller. We had that kind of conversation about how big he really was. I think he ended up weighing, what, 202 pounds, I think, something like that, 203 pounds. 202. Yeah, yeah for Zach Evans. As, yeah, had him as one of my one of my losers uh, just because of that weight. I think he was listed at like 210, uh, right around that 210 range. So for him to come in at 202 – Especially with the, the the way that he runs too, he's uh you know not someone who shies away from contact. So Evans coming in at two hundred two is much more of like a red flag negative to me than Gibbs at one ninety nine. Just just me personally. Yeah, and then you know like Dwayne McBride, I was hoping we were, I was hoping he was going to do something. He did nothing, but he did come in at uh what two hundred nine pounds for him. So I mean. Overall, like I think the running back position, there wasn't a whole lot that like stood out to me. It was like okay, uh, like 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 that really like drastically helped their stock. But I the, but there's certainly players that hurt their stock a little bit, and then there's some that I think there's you know that are okay. Um, you know, Bijan did absolutely nothing to hurt or help. Uh, but what was he going to do anyways? We knew that he was the RB one. Um, you know, outside of he didn't run a four three like some people thought he was going to, he crushed the entire thing. So. There's no uh, other question marks with him. So I don't really have anything else to talk about with running backs just because I don't think there's a whole lot else to talk about here with these guys because, like I said, none of them did any of that agility stuff. 
Most of them didn't do a lot of other things either. So we just kind of have a pretty small sample size of, uh, for these guys to really talk about. So support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Let's jump over to the wide receivers who we have a couple guys to talk about here. First, let's talk about Jackson Smith, the Jigba. Smart. He didn't run the 40, but what the stuff that he did do was crushed. really impressive. Uh, he absolutely crushed the agility stuff. I think he, I think he posted the seventh best three cone, I think uh, since 2000 um, among all wide receivers. Uh, so that is really good to see. He didn't run a 40. So we don't, we don't know about that. But size-wise, he's he's got everything there. Um, we'll see. I think he'll run it at his, at his pro day. But Jackson Smith Jigba, I think, is kind of solidified for most people, especially for me, as, as the number one wide receiver in this class. Um, I don't think there's a lot of question marks with him now. And I, I know there's still going to be people that knock him a little bit because of, I don't know, because it's the fun thing to do. But, like, I don't think that he's like a Jamar. Like I said, he's not a Jamar Chase. Like, he's not that. And there's still questions. Can he be an outside wide receiver? Uh, because he basically played slot exclusively at Ohio State, but that was also because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were both there. Like it wasn't like it was two bums that we're never going to talk about, and he couldn't overcome those guys. We're talking about two first round picks that are bona fide, like like could be alpha wide receivers moving forward. Like so, there's a reason why it happened. But I, overall, I, I think he did fine. I think it was smart for him not to run. We'll talk about some guys that I don't know why their agent even allowed them to do any athletic testing. Because if you know that your guys are this bad, like you should like, listen, bro, go sit down. You're not going to do anything. You can get your height and weight checks, all that stuff. You're not doing nothing else. You're going to come up with a fake injury. So I think for, for JSN, I, he pretty much checks all the boxes for me. I think he is probably the number one wide receiver for me, or he is the number one wide receiver for me. We'll see if he will be the number one wide receiver off the board. Because I think the next guy we're going to talk about could very well be the number one wide receiver off the board. But do you have anything else to talk about with JSN? No, and I I don't think we see him uh, run a forty. I, I think this is this is all he needs, and especially with uh, the rest of this wide receiver class not testing well. I, I just don't think there's any reason for for him to do it. Yeah, I mean we'll see. I think he said that he was going to do it at his combine or at his pro day, but I, I don't know if he will or not. Um, I don't think he needs to. I think I agree. I think he's nah. kind of flashed everything you need to know about him. And I think he could end up being a very, very good, uh, even elite wide receiver at the next level. Maybe, like I said, he's not going to be that. I guess I shouldn't say elite, but I think he could be a great wide receiver, um, but he may never be elite. And that's perfectly okay. Like I still think for what he brings to the table, he could be an excellent slot wide receiver, like Keenan Allen type, right? He could definitely be that. He's just not going to be Jamar Chase, uh, which is, which is perfectly fine. But the next guy is Quentin Johnson. And he went out and, 
I don't want to say as much as like it was like an Anthony Richardson type because uh, we kind of, again, we knew that he was going to be really, really athletic. But uh, he crushed uh, the combine, did uh, did really well in everything that he did. He did not run a 40 either, uh, which was smart in my mind uh, once again. But he has a 98th percentile burst, crushed the broad invert. Um, he also ranks 39th out of a possible 1,097 wide receivers all time in terms of athletic score. Um, he, but this is kind of what we expected with Quentin Johnson, right? Like I, we knew that he was an athletic guy. Some of the stuff that, some of the plays that he made in, in his individual wide receiver drills were like some DK Metcalf type stuff. His, his, uh, his vertical was on display and some of the stuff he was able to do there. But I think that he is a real shot. He could be the number one wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. He, he gives you all the size. He's not as big as what we thought he was. I think he checked in at 6'3", 209, 210, something like that. So he's not quite as big as what we thought. But this dude is still very, very gifted athletically. Um, he has all the tools that we're absolutely looking for. It can be that prototypical X wide receiver. Um, and, and so I do think Quinton Johnson did, uh, did himself a service by how well he did test. And he crushed everything else. And, and so um, I think it's, it's pretty clear that he's the number two for me now. Because there's another guy that um, is not an athlete. <laughs> and um, well, speaking of guys who are athletes, and like I was mentioning with uh, with the Narek Prince again, this is a guy that I wanted to get some eyes on before we did the show. I was not able to do so, but Bryce Ford Wheaton out of Dub V. You want to talk about somebody who? did do all of the all the drills and just absolutely crushed all of them and that was uh this guy someone who was just an absolute athletic freak who was being you know all, all the comparisons start to start to come out whenever guys like and he's a big boy too 64 221 ran a 438 40 uh you know all of his splits were good there 41 inch vertical, 10, 10, 9 broad. So just elite athleticism all across the board for Bryce Ford Wheaton. Again, did not get to get eyes on him, but this is certainly someone we, we see it every single year. You know, somebody like a, like a Miles Boykin, a Chase Claypool, if you will, comes out like this. And again, especially with these wide receivers, and we really don't have a big wide receiver class in terms of size. It's like Quentin Johnson and the rest everyone else is you know six foot and lower you know 190 pounds and lower so for you know for for teams that have like a specific type to see someone come out and you know like i said six four two twenty one and run a sub four four like that's going to catch some attention so he's definitely going to be you know sliding up some teams boards and i'm uh, i'm really looking forward to you know getting getting some eyes on him and hashtag checking the tape on Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia. I think he's probably could be a guy that goes like third round um, where a team falls in love with the athleticism and thinks that they can, oh, yeah. because the one problem with him is he can't catch the football. Uh, if you look at his catch rate. <laughs> that does uh, seem like a problem. Yeah. His, so his catch rate uh, since he's been at West Virginia are 52%, 47%. 61% and 56%. He has struggled to catch footballs. Um, he lack, he sometimes, like, there are times that you watch, if you watch, because I did get a chance to watch a little bit of him, like, where you're like, okay, I can see exactly where this athleticism comes in. He flashes it. 
he does stuff that, like, again, you kind of see, like, DK Metcalf type stuff from him. And then you also see stuff like, okay, you just dropped that. All right, I don't know what happened there. I'm like, how did you? Okay. And you see it a lot. Um, so that's going to be his biggest thing that he's going to have to fix. And if you look at his, like, yard per reception, like, he was never really utilized a downfield threat, a 10.9 college yard per reception, which is seventh percentile. But he did have a 25.9% uh, college target share. Now, there's been a lot of talk uh, on Twitter, especially uh, like after the Combine, where everybody was starting to compare him to Calvin Johnson. And, of course, people start losing their mind about that, right? Like, oh, my God, can't we call him Calvin Johnson? Like, it's very much similar to the Brees Hall thing last year. People aren't saying he's the next Megatron. They're saying his athleticism is, is, is comparable to Calvin Johnson, which it is. But in no world is he Calvin Johnson, and nobody was saying that. Like, it was just – anyways, the athleticism is there. I can see a team falling in love with him, but he has to learn how to catch football because it happens too much. But everything else, he checks the boxes. Like you said, 438. He has a 100th percentile speed score, a 96th percentile burst score, a 100th percentile catch radius. Like, everything is there. But that whole thing about being able to catch a football, like he's going to have to figure that out. Um, Cause if he doesn't, he's going to be in the next guy in the long line of guys that are just super athletic freaks that do nothing at the next level. But I do think he certainly helped himself at the combine. He definitely put himself on the map because nobody knew the hell of uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton was. I had heard not one person talk about Bryce Ford Wheaton and he came out and just slayed the NFL draft or the NFL combine. And he made it his bitch. If he turns out to be a third-round pick, and if he lands on a spot where maybe he has some opportunity, you might have a little bit of a, you know, you might be able to look at him. You know, maybe he's a guy that you draft in your third, fourth round of your rookie draft or something like that. But it, he's a dart throw for sure. Athleticism is there, but other than that, um, I think that's that's kind of where uh, it goes from there. Uh, next up, you have Marvin Mims who. Performed pretty well. Uh, a guy that I don't think has gotten a lot of buzz for the most part. Most people just kind of, again, it's kind of like a, a lesser Zach Charbonnet. It's kind of like, oh, Marvin Mims. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine at Oklahoma. Um, but he, he came out 5'9", 177, ran a 4.3840 as 91st percentile burst. Uh, does have a 90, also 21.1 yards per reception, which is 94th percentile. Uh, last year, 54 catches on 91 targets, almost 1,100 yards, six touchdowns and a 22% target share. Feels a little Hollywood brownish, um, right? I mean, he obviously, they came from the same school. You know, shows that really good speed uh, there for uh, Marvin Mims. And I think somebody that people uh, maybe should have a little bit higher on their list, uh, quite frankly, because speed is what we're always looking for, especially at the NFL level. Teams are going to do it. They're going to overdraft. Look at Tyquan Thornton last year, who, who was drafted in the second round, was very much somebody... And maybe, who knows, maybe BFW Bryce Ford Wheaton turns into that guy. Like, uh, that just some team just falls in love with all the athleticism stuff and, and does that. But Marvin Mims feels like a guy that I think that is a, obviously a much more polished, much better wide receiver than, Bry, uh, than Bryce Ford Wheaton is. And so somebody that, I, again, I could see go in, like, second, third round. Like, I think it's there. He, he, he played really well. Oklahoma, obviously, Power 5 school, produced. And so – you know, I think he was also a really big winner with, with how he performed this weekend. So I'm not sure why player profiler has that height and weight for Mims. 
He actually came in at 5'10, almost 5'11. It was uh, 5, 5'10 and 7 tenths and a buck 83. So definitely put some, some weight on here. I wanted to throw him on the winner's list because, again, in this group of small wide receivers, a lot of them did not uh, show out well in terms of the athletic testing. Somebody like Josh Downs, who I was excited to see, uh, you know, barely got underneath four or five and Marvin Mims came out and, you know, obviously did what he did. You were talking about it already with the, with the four, three, eight, 40. So, you know, we're also talking about someone who has a 96 percentile breakout age as well. So he, he was a name that a lot of people were excited about, obviously after his freshman year, then Spencer Rattler goes, you know, goes from being the, you know, looking like one of the unquestioned top quarterbacks in the nation he has his fall from grace. Caleb Williams doesn't do a ton in Oklahoma. There's, you know, a bunch of moving parts there. Um, but, you know, he still had a you know, some young production as well. And I'm not sure how that how that timed up with some of the other receivers that have been coming out of Oklahoma. Um, but certainly a, a name that I think we should be keeping an eye on. And like you said, not a lot of buzz around him, not a lot of people talking about him, but I think that that should definitely change, especially if he gets, uh, you know, some day two draft capital, like I think he will. Yeah. And then I, th- I think, you know, for the most part, other than that, like, I don't think there was, I mean, there were certainly some players that, that killed their, a uh, little bit of their draft value a little bit or pushed them down, but guys like Zay Flowers, he kind of came in right where I was hoping he would 182 pounds, um, you know, ran a four, four, two. I thought he would have been a little bit better than that. But overall, I still think that yeah. he is he is very good. I still somebody I have in my top five. I will say Jalen Hyatt a little bit underwhelmed a little bit because I think everybody thought he was going to be some four two guy, mm-hmm. and he came in at four four, and I think that was a little bit discouraging. Now, obviously, four four is great, but it's kind of one of those situations where if somebody doesn't meet the expectation that people have, and then people are going to knock him for it. But uh, I did I think they did say though he has some sort of a back issue or something like that he's dealing with or a hamstring or something like that. So that could have been why he ran a little bit slower um, than what people were expecting. So we'll see at his pro day if he's able to improve on that. But overall, I still don't think, obviously, there's nothing wrong with a 4-4. But people are going to knock him a little bit because people thought he was going to be a 4-2 guy. So other than that, um, let's talk about some of the tight ends that uh, that, we, that we need to get to here. And listen. And by some really, of them, do you mean all of them? <laughs> yes. I mean, this is, I, I honestly think, like, I have to go probably, you probably have to go back to the, the David and Joku, Evan Ingram, and OJ Howard class of the best, you know, because or at least hype going into it. Obviously, it didn't really work out. I guess at least for one of them, obviously OJ Howard never turned into anything uh, in the NFL. And he was the guy; he was supposed to be the number one. But obviously, and it's taken David and Joku a long time. But he was an athletic freak. And then you also had um, Evan Ingram, who a lot of people liked as well in that in that same class. But it's kind of but this this year. I mean, you have four. Maybe even five guys, six guys at tight end. Like you can see, six tight ends go in the top sixty. I, I think it's definitely in the range of possibility here that we're going to see something like that yeah. because they all. I mean, Darnell Washington is just a freak of nature at his size. Was he six seven two seventy two sixty? Um, ran a four six, which at that size is absolutely moving. Um, did really well in the positional drills as well. Uh, I think the only one that didn't really do much was Dalton Kincaid. I don't think he did a whole lot. And that was just because of did nothing. Yeah. And it did nothing. So, but the other guys did really well. Um, kind of checked everything. But that's what we talked about before, right? We talked about tight ends. I think it was last week or the week before. We knew that this this class was was very good. And for people in Dynasty and really redraft purposes, 
we need some damn tight ends because we yes. we search for them every damn year. We were hoping that we get something, and this might be the year uh, that we finally get some uh, some actual uh, good tight ends uh, here in this draft class. Yeah, so I'm I'm stealing this tweet from Scott Barrett at Scott Barrett DFB, and I, I'm not sure what the significance is with the with this cutoff that he used. But the number of tight ends with a 87 and a half or higher spork score by draft class. Okay, 2018 we had one. 2019 we had one. 2020 and 2021 and 2022 we had two each of those years. In the 2023 combine we had six that hit that. Like this tight end class is stacked, like freakishly athletic. Uh, you you were mentioning some of the names. You know, we talked about Darnell Washington last week. Whenever we were looking at some of the uh, the underdog ADP, and we were like, "Yeah, you know, he's he's solid. I think he's going to be more of a blocker, but he could be, you know, because of his size, he might be like a, a good like red zone matchup type of guy." Ah, uh-uh. <laughs> nope. He came out and just absolutely blew up the combine. And you have guys like uh, Zach Kuntz, former Penn Stater Zach Kuntz, that is. Uh, coming in with his size, he absolutely just dismantled the the combine. Whatever you want to look at, uh, ended up being a 98th percentile Spark X score according to Player Profiler. Um, you know, he, he it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him in terms of his draft capital. Uh, spent three years at Penn State, did nothing. I think he caught maybe five balls like literally five his entire time at Penn State, went to Old Dominion, uh, you know, put up some numbers there, but still didn't have like crazy numbers. Um, but he does have some some prospect pedigree. He was the third highest player in Pennsylvania the year that he came out. Fourth overall at tight end, was a top 150 overall recruit. He was actually ranked ahead of Kyle Pitts, that year in the in the recruiting cycle which is you know it, it's just fun to look back at some of those uh some of those rankings and see how how they came out like if you think that the the nfl draft is a crap shoot do do yourself a favor and go look at some some college rankings it's uh it's really funny to see you know where some of these guys come from but i digress uh you know brenton strange the actual penn state tight end he had himself a really solid day there were just so many man sam laporta out of iowa i i want to say his athletic testing matched up really really closely with george kettle like from his size all the way down um you know don kincaid i was hoping we were going to get some some testing on him but this probably you know fares better for someone like me who really likes Dalton Kincaid, the fact that he didn't test. Now, obviously, you know, depending on what kind of draft capital he gets compared to the rest of the class could shoot him, you know, back up the rankings a little bit, but hopefully, you know, for, for me selfishly, this kind of slides him under the radar a little bit and pushes some of these other guys up. I, you know, Luke Musgrave had a really nice day. Will Mallory out of Miami, like literally all of these tight ends, you can basically go on and on down the list of the guys who, uh, you know, who had the combine invite. And there's just really nobody that like, in terms of the, the names that we are looking at anyway, that, that really disappointed. And I think you could probably, I don't even know. I'm not even gonna say probably you probably, I think you could easily make the argument that this is the best positional group among uh, the four, all right. Of quarterback, wide receiver, running back and 
in tight end. Just overall, right? Yeah. Because of, because of, I mean, especially when we're talking about the positional scarcity that is at this position of tight end. And, you know, if you can land on one of these guys, a couple of these guys come through, uh, you know, we just can be talking about one of the better or the best rookie class of tight ends we've ever seen. So uh, I think there's a lot to like here with the tight end. Um, I So I don't think there's anything else to say about them. Let's talk about just some of the losers. I know some of these guys we've kind of already talked about. Like, you know, we talked about a little bit about Zach Evans. We talked about Jameer Gibbs. So we don't really need to get into those. I will talk, I will say this. I think Jordan Addison, and he, he was somebody I was hitting to earlier, like, did not do himself any sort of favors whatsoever with uh, with, with his combine. Um, it, it was it was all bad. Uh, like his, his athleticism is truly terrible. Um, what I mean terrible, I mean he has an 18th percentile speed score and a 37th percentile burst score. Like it was really bad. Uh, his athleticism ranks 991 out of a possible 1,097 receivers um, per play profiler. <laughs> like, it's bad, right? Like, uh, he did run a 4-4-9, but he comes in at... Um, and so, like, I'm not going to... Like, I'm going to try that's not to overvalue that, but, like, why? If you knew that you were going to test this poorly, Jordan Addison, why did you do anything? Like, why did you even show up? Like, show up, do your, do your, uh, you know, get weighted and all that stuff, and then just you're done, right? Because it, he certainly did not help himself whatsoever. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's, there's really not much, much else to say. It's, uh, you know, definitely disappointing. But I will say that, like, Jordan Addison also didn't win with, like, speed, right? Like, like that that wasn't his game. So, like, I'm I'm not, like, I'm not going to knock him a ton for this, uh, honestly. Like, he's still going to be a top three wide receiver for me just because of everything he's put on tape, uh, you know, with how productive he's been over the past two years, one of those years being with Kenny Pickett at Pitt. Um it would be it would be much more of a red flag to me like if he won with physicality because obviously he came in like what a buck 73 so he came in on the smaller side as well you know if you know if that's the way that he was winning at college obviously that's not going to work at the nfl being 511 173 and then like i said the, the speed thing it's not like he was like really a burner he's just he's a really good route runner he's smooth he knows how to get open so um Obviously not what you want to see. You prefer him to come in, you know, buck 80 and, you know, put up like a, even like a mid 4-4 would, would have been much better. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to knock him a ton, but I think it's, you know, the the group as a whole, you know, we are throwing around five, six names of wide receivers who are, you know, potentially being floated in like different mock drafts and that sort of thing with being, you know, round one NFL uh, draft wide receivers and uh, I, I don't know how many do we have now like two for sure JSN and Quentin Johnson but do we do we potentially see more tight ends in the first round than wide receivers it's possible but the thing is that teams overvalue wide receivers I don't think that's probably going to happen you're probably going to see three maybe four wide receivers go in the first round I do think Jordan Addison probably still goes in the first round. Like his combine wasn't as bad as another wide receiver we're going to talk about. Like he still had a 34 inch vert, 122 inch broad. Like it, it's not like god awful. Like 
Kayshawn Boudet was. Like, his was truly fucking terrible. Like, a 29-inch vertical. I don't even know how you could possibly be that bad. Like, Offensive linemen with higher verts. Yes, and 118-inch broad. He didn't already have the best value uh, coming into this. Like, people didn't really know what to do with him. I saw people have him as their number one wide receiver in this class. Um, I don't know what we're doing there, but like, uh, but I've also, but most people had him kind of around five or anywhere from probably like four or five to like seven or eight, right? For the most part, there's people had him lower, but now, like, I, I don't know how you can have him like really high. Like, yes, athleticism is and everything, especially at wide receiver, but to be this unathletic to like show this poorly, I guess to maybe know you why why they were maybe thinking about staying in school he was gonna think about staying for another year at lsu but it's just well it's bad like he's probably now gonna be like a fourth or fifth round pick i would say um unless he's able to go to his pro day and just completely maybe he had some sort of injury that we didn't know about and he just kind of kept going through it that maybe uh he can figure and maybe he can go to his pro day and kind of turn everything around but i i don't know like, uh, like I just don't know why he did. Like, I just, I don't, I don't think it was needed. Uh, but if you, again, this is one of those, like, your agent should be telling you, don't do this, don't do this. Like, you know, I have a combine. Go show up, do certain things, they call it a day. He decided not to. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Um, and combined with uh, the fact that his production has been up and down, like, Burst onto the scene as a true freshman, um, you know, looked really good. He was actually one of my Debbie picks, uh, actually traded him in the middle of the season. So I'm not, not holding on to that bag, but he also was listed uh, taller than he was, came, you know, ends up coming in at five eleven, you know, a buck 95. So, you know, a little more rocked up than some of these other wide receivers, but like you said, like the, the like the forty is fine. Like it's not like it's not awful. Like a, a four five at you know five eleven a buck ninety five. Like that's that's whatever. But um, <laughs> like you said, like these guys train specifically for the combine. Like, wh- why do the jumps? Why like why 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 do that? I don't know. Yeah, and so I, I would say he's definitely a loser of the combine. Again, he he could end up being a, a good wide receiver at the next level. Like it's possible, right? Like he is he's certainly somebody that like that I talked about that that flashed at times. That you know you saw some of the good with the bad, especially his first two years in college uh, was played pretty well, um, really flashed, and then last year was really bad. Um, so I mean, forty eight receptions, five hundred thirty eight yards, in eleven games, only a fifteen percent target share. Last year, he's still young, only 20.8, so he's still not even 21 years old yet, but um, did come in a little bit bigger, like you mentioned. Also has a 90th percentile breakout age, broke out at 18 years old. So there is a lot – there's other parts of his game to like, but certainly he did not help himself at all with his his athletic athletic testing. Again, it's not – like I said, it's not the end-all, be-all to things, and we need to keep that in consideration, especially at wide receiver, because we have seen wide receivers that – struggle or that that didn't come out and have a blazing 40 right deandre hopkins is one uh, t higgins is one now those guys are a little bit different uh built a lot different Devontae adams same thing 
but those are also guys that are you know alpha wide receivers that are six you know six two six three whatever two uh, 215 220 pound wide receivers where this is a little bit different of a situation for a guy like this now um he's not necessarily small but he's also not big but so I think another guy that, that possibly could have helped himself too a little bit was Trey Palmer, six foot one ninety two. He also ran a four three three with a ninetieth uh, percentile speed score. So uh, you know he played at um, Nebraska. Yes, uh, I don't know why I lost that. He played at Nebraska last year at twelve games, seventy one catches, uh, almost eleven hundred yards, with a thirty two percent target share in that offense and nine touchdowns last year. So I think he's somebody that again. Teams desperately look for speed, so he could also be a player that maybe gets bumped up just a little bit because of that speed that he that he possessed, uh, you know, at the combine as well. Because that, that was one thing that kind of stood out to me. Like, like last year, if you remember, there's so many of these guys that just ran so incredibly fast, and it was like it felt like everybody like well outdid. Like even uh, George Pickens was a guy that I really liked, right? And I feel like honestly, I felt like Kayshawn Butte could have been that guy this year, like kind of like that fringe, like nobody people know what to do with that could have came in. If, that tested really well, and everyone was like, "Okay, he's he, now he's kind of locked in as that four or five wide receiver." It was complete opposite, but you know, somebody like Trey Palmer, though, I think could end up being uh, somebody that we we kind of look at as well um, as being uh, kind of a little bit of a winner here as well at the next level. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw one more loser out as someone whose uh, whose name was being floated around a bunch after the Senior Bowl, and that was Nathaniel Tank Dell, five eight. Buck sixty-five. You know, we were hearing, you know, how shifty he was, and you know, maybe he is. He he didn't do the the, the agility testing, but like I said, five eight, one sixty-five, and ran a four four nine forty. That puts him with a sixth percentile speed score. So I, I think you have to look at him uh, as a loser for sure. Yeah, certainly did not help himself in the slightest. Um, with that either. So, I mean, overall, like, I don't think there was a lot to like, there wasn't, I, I, we certainly had the moments of like Anthony Richardson and guys like that who crushed, um, you know, some other guys that kind of came out of nowhere, but overall, I think it was a fine combine, but there was a lot of like, just kind of like, okay, which is, I think how a lot of people have viewed this draft class as a whole. Uh, people are just like, ah, you know, it's, it's fine. Right. Like there's not a lot to stand. Like there's not like just this huge, like this great, like, it's not like we have four five, six just great running backs like we saw a few years ago, or there's not like three or four elite wide receivers in this class. Like, I think this is going to go down as like a good class, but I don't know if it's going to go down as one we like truly like, okay, like this class was excellent. Like, I don't think it's going to be that. Um, But overall, uh, I think the best part about this upcoming class though, or at least the upcoming is we're going to start to get more information. We're starting to learn a little bit more about how teams are viewing some of these guys after this. Uh, we'll definitely be a little bit easier to shake out once we get free agency uh, out of the way, once we start to fill up some of these you know, open spots. Teams are going to have we'll have a little bit better idea who's looking for what, 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 are, what team needs are going to be as we get close to the NFL draft. I mean, the NFL draft is, what, next month? Yeah, end of next month. So it's not that far away. Uh, NFL free agency does start next week, so that is good. I think we're going to try – we'll try to get in a um, – a, a couple mock drafts as well, like a super flex mock, and then maybe a, a one QB yeah. mock. Get some of them mocks in there uh, for everybody to start getting some of that out there, kind of see where these guys are starting to fall in terms of dynasty leagues. So that'll be good. And then again, next week, NFL free agency starts. So, uh, you know, we're going to start getting a lot of NFL news. I mean, the NFL is so fucking great. It never ends. You know, it just never, never. stops. 
Like there's no, like there's no off season. Really, the only off season you get in the NFL is what July, June. That that June July is about it. Because even in May, you still get post NFL draft. You got to get through all that stuff. Then you start getting OTAs. We start getting some information. So really, to me, I think it's just like June and July. Maybe, maybe. And they still figure out ways to get some some news that come out about something uh, during yeah. that time. But that's about it. Always. Well, I guess not even July because it in like mid July in July is when training camp starts. So really, you just got like June. June's like the only <laughs> month. There's just nothing. You got one month in the NFL to take a breath, and then it's it's just it's just wild the rest of the time. So you gotta love the NFL. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyways, I appreciate everybody uh, checking out. If, if you're listening to this on podcast, be sure to uh, rate, review wherever you're at. Whether you know we're on pretty much everything. Keep it locked in here. We'll be back next week talking some free agency news, and then again, we'll have some mock drafts. We'll get some other stuff going. Probably some player profiles. Uh, much shorter, you know, three to five minute little uh, podcast, or whatever, just about some some of these guys and what we're looking at. So, keep it locked in here. Appreciate everybody checking it out. We will be back again next week. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time. Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. So finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay here I know Jacket